0: Waiting, how good are we at waiting? Uh, Waiting at the checkout, waiting at the traffic lights at the airport boarding gate, Uh, or waiting for promotion, waiting for medical test results, waiting to get married, waiting for a baby to arrive. An American named Walter Kreitzberger, he visited London for the first time again, years after World War II. Walking down Oxford Street, he suddenly remembered he left a pair of shoes for repair way back in 1944. He'd had no opportunity to collect them because of D-Day, and he wondered if the cobblers were still there. To his surprise, there were the same cobblers, so he went in and he asked, do you still have my shoes? What's the name? asked the assistant. "Kreitzberger." The assistant went into the back room and returned with a dusty ledger from the 1940s. He flicked through the page for 1944. Kreutzberger Kreutzberger Ah is that Kreutzberger Walter J of Lexicon Avenue, Washington, DC? Yes, he said. That's me, brown shoes to be rehealed. Okay, said the assistant, they'll be ready next Thursday. <laughs> how how long are we prepared to wait for things? I guess if something is really important to us, if it's the one thing in life we're longing to see or do, then we will be prepared to wait. The film, The Bucket List, starred uh, Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson's a rich corporate executive, Morgan Freeman's a mechanic, and they meet in the hospital, both diagnosed with a terminal illness. Nicholson's character is grumpy, angry about his condition. Freeman's character is hopeful and positive. So they decide to leave the hospital and embark on a journey to fulfill their bucket list. The bucket list is the things they want to do before kicking the bucket. Well, since that movie, people have compiled all sorts of bucket lists. Things they want to see or do before they die. And I suppose we all have a bucket list of our own to walk the Inca trail, to find true love and get married, to go skydiving, to meet a famous person? Well, Simeon had a bucket list of one. One central wish before he died, one thing he was waiting for and prepared to wait till he died. And it seems he had a special spiritual intuition about it. Luke tells us three things that God the Holy Spirit was upon him, that the Holy Spirit revealed to him he wouldn't die before he'd seen the king. That's the meaning of the word Christ, God's anointed king, and that the Holy Spirit moved him to get up and go to the temple. By the way, if you're already a believer here in Christ, in, uh, a believer in Christ here tonight, as many are, Those are three things we need if we're going to be guided by God. We need the Holy Spirit upon us. We need the Holy Spirit to prompt us, revealing God's will to us. And we need the Holy Spirit to move us. And we can ask for all those three things. Well, so by a miraculous simultaneous coincidence, Simeon walked into the temple at the exact same moment that Jesus was brought in by his parents. And the moment Simeon saw Jesus, he said, that's it. Now I can die. God, you've done what you promised. You can now dismiss me, your servant, in peace. And Simeon recognized in the child Jesus God's coming king. That's the theme we've picked up this year at St. Mark's, the coming king. And we're looking at the prophets who told us in advance that Jesus is the coming king. Well, Simeon's one of them. He took Jesus up in his arms and he prophesied over him. He saw that Jesus would be a nation saver, the, the help of Israel. He saw that beyond the nation of Israel, he would go to the whole world, to all people, a light for revelation to the world. And just as Joseph and Mary were getting all excited about it, Simeon also saw that Jesus would cause pain to his mother. He said, not to both parents, but to Mary, and a sword will pierce your own soul. And so it came true, Mary watching Jesus crucified. But fourthly, the big thing Simeon saw and prophesied was Jesus' destiny, This child, he said, is destined to cause the falling and rising of many, and a sign that will be spoken against. In other words, he saw that people's response to Jesus would be mixed. Perhaps most remarkably of all, and it's a hint so delicate you can easily miss its depth, Simeon foresaw that Jesus was destined to cause not a rise and fall, but a fall and rise. Now, that's interesting. There's a hint there of Jesus' own personal destiny, and ours potentially as well. Isn't it true most people's lives are marked by a rise and then a fall? We rise to our full height as adults. We rise, hopefully, to our destiny in life. But the inevitable sequel is decline. First rise, and then fall. Uh, Some of us remember, this will give my age away, David Bowie's fifth album in the 70s, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. That's for the ancient rockers amongst us. TV's The Rise and Fall of Reginald Perrin. More recently, the Rise and Fall album in the 80s by Madness. And the 2003 Craig David and Sting song by the same name. Do you see? It's Rise and then Fall. The same with the history of nations and civilizations. The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. But Jesus breaks the mold of history. He causes fall first and then a rise. Jesus' own destiny was not his rise to fame and then his fall to pass away like every other famous figure in human history. The critically important thing about him was first his fall and then his rise. His destiny was to die, that's why he came to earth. Not primarily to teach, though his teachings never been surpassed. Nor to perform miracles, though his miraculous deeds have never been equaled. Nor to show loving deeds, though his love has never been matched. He was born to die. And then to rise. Three days later, he came back to life and blazed a trail to life eternal that we can follow that we can follow in the same way do you see his destiny was to cause the falling and rising of all those who put their trust in him now thankfully we don't have to go to the cross though all of us will one day die but for each of us our destiny can be reversed he can break the mold of our own history Instead of our life being a rise and a fall, our life can be the reverse as well. Falling and then rising. And we don't need to wait for this, as Simeon did, till we die. Indeed, we mustn't. Now, today. We can fall in humility before the coming king. Fall to confess that we've tried to be king of our own lives and submit to his sovereign rule over us. It starts with falling perhaps on your knees, or at least in your heart. And once you're a true follower of Jesus, you fall, perhaps openly, symbolically, in the, in the waters of baptism, a symbol of death to the old life. And you rise to a new life. We rise to a new experience in this life now, forgiven through his death for us on the cross, his death for our wrongdoings, and then knowing King Jesus in our own lives. You see, if you want to be king and someone else comes along as king, then one of you has to give way. You can't both be king. Jesus came claiming to be king. In every human heart, there's a little king who wants to rule and decide our own destinies. Our problem is that King Jesus demands sovereignty over our lives. We can't both be king. And so his claim triggers deep resistance in every human heart. No one tells me what to do. And that's why Christmas is a disturbing event. Because if it's true, then we've lost the right to be in charge of our own lives. So do you see, what Simeon is prophesying is that Jesus will cause a divided response. He does that even amongst us here tonight. He's a stumbling block that causes some to fall, offended by him. A sign, says Simeon, that would be spoken against. And in so doing, he says the innermost thoughts of people would be revealed. That's in their reaction to him. But he causes others to fall in a different way, in worship, convinced by him, committed to him, and so to rise. But neutrality is impossible. People range themselves for or against him. He obliges us to decide. So this story, this real event in the earthly life of Jesus, it's a challenge to spiritual discernment. It's a lesson in spiritual recognition. The question it raises before us is, when we see Jesus in his mother's arms and then in the arms of Simeon, do we see only the surface appearance or can we detect the reality beneath the surface? Do we recognize Jesus as the fulfillment of God's promises, as God's Savior, as the light of the world? If we see beneath the surface, we can then do what Simeon did. We can take Jesus up, not in our arms, but in our hearts and in our lives, and take Him as the Savior we need to forgive our guilt the light to guide our lives, and we can put our trust in him. He'll disturb our self-centered lives. He'll cause antagonism from others. He'll arouse opposition from religious people who want to be their own saviors. But he'll be our way back to God through faith in him. So I wonder, what are we waiting for this Christmas? The real Jesus may not be what we expect, but he is what we need. It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come in a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Last week, we held here the Christmas Trail for children. Uh, We set up six stage sets all around the church, the crypt and the upper room, telling the Christmas story. In the last scene, which was out in the foyer entrance, the children enter the cattle shed where all the actors, when they enter, are completely frozen, and then, one by one, the actors come to life and speak. And, and this happened last Friday. To one group, the shepherds suddenly announced, you wouldn't believe it! And a little seven-year-old boy replied, try me. <laughs> the truth is, it's the other way around. And maybe the living Christ is saying to some of us tonight, try me. You've tried other things. Try me. And that, at least, would be my suggestion. Put Jesus, the Christ, the King, to the test. See if he's real and true and can satisfy the most important items on our bucket list. Is he what you've been waiting for? There's no need to wait any more. Ask him, if you are real, will you become real to me? And just maybe the coming king will come to you this Christmas. If you like just a little help along the way. If some of this is new to you and you'd like to explore it further, uh, we'd love to give you a little Christmas pack. We make one up every Christmas, and it's got, in addition to the cookie, to eat, something to read while you're eating it. Why Christmas? And looking into next year, on our flyer, you'll see that we hold a a range of evenings called Big Questions. It's a, a range of the questions of faith that everybody asks you'd be very, very welcome to come and explore those questions and some potential answers to them with us.